0: once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 60. As we always like to remind you, please rate, review, leave a review. It's so much fun. Get those fingers typing. Lay it all down. Share with a friend. Download. Go through the library and check out past episodes. Thank you for everyone who's been supporting. The numbers are proving that you're digging what I'm doing, so I'm going to keep doing it because I love it. We have a very cool show because we head into a very important week. Next week, World Cup qualifying week. Some countries have been fortunate enough to already book their ticket to Qatar. But whether it's in Europe with their playoffs, certain South American qualifiers, still some work to be done. Obviously here in CONCACAF, we are going to get some closure. And we'll see what it means for the United States, Mexico, Canada, Panama, Costa Rica. As we see who will get the three spots from CONCACAF, who will go to the playoff, and who will be left out in the cold. I will be speaking to one of the players that will in all likelihood feature in multiple USA World Cup qualifiers. Kellen Acosta, midfielder, currently with LAFC. Nice enough to join me. We'll talk to him about his passage because remember he was on the field in Cuba in 2017. Now he's an elder statesman keeping an eye on all these kids, many of which will be playing at the Azteca in a World Cup qualifier for the very first time. So it's all very cool. A lot of stuff's happening. I'm nervous. You're nervous. Here we go. We are heading into the March qualifiers. We have a very special Soccer OG World Cup qualifying episode with Kellen Acosta. We'll be right back. We'll talk a little bit about what's happening this weekend. And of course, Jesse Marsh update. It just keeps getting better. Don't compare him to Ted Lasso. Don't criticize his huddles. There's a method to the madness. The Soccer OG starts right now. We are back here on the Soccer OG. And there's a lot more going on than just World Cup qualifying. We'll get to that interview with Kellen Acosta. We didn't have a whole lot of time, but we made the most of what we did have. Now, remember, he was there in Kuva in 2017, so we'll talk about this passage from missing out to the World Cup to now being a elder statesman with all these, these, these kids who will be in their first Azteca qualifier ever. Makes you even more nervous knowing that they're going through it for the first time. But I want to update you on some other things that have happened. The Champions League quarterfinals, the Europa League quarterfinals, the draw has been announced. And we have Chelsea facing Real Madrid. Manchester City, Atletico Madrid on one side of the bracket. Then you have Benfica, Liverpool, Real, Bayern Munich. Villarreal and Benfica making this a non-super-leaguey quarterfinals, which is a good thing. You know, we all stood firm against the Super League and in order for us to get further away from the Super League, these other clubs have to prove that they're capable of at least making a quarterfinal. I think uh, mm, Veer, I don't think either one of them are going to get to the semifinals, but it was a nice run. So I was hoping for some better matchups. Chelsea-Real Madrid's a good one and Chelsea- if you haven't knocked them out yet they are a legitimate threat to make it to another final or defend their crown they are that good now they have these sanctions up against them but they are a healthy team they have an incredible spirit they've got a great coach they know how to navigate through this and i i I really believe that they are better equipped than real madrid that's why the bookmakers the bookmakers are making them a favorite so it could go a lot of different ways three english clubs Three Spanish clubs. I think the Spanish revival is a great story because I remember when ESPN got the rights and we were watching it early on. I go, this Spanish league looks like it's going to struggle. Lionel Messi left. Real Madrid also going through a transition. Atletico Madrid looks like they've dropped off a bit. But over the last few weeks, you get three teams, including Villarreal, make the quarterfinals here. Barcelona's made the quarterfinals in the Europa League. Barcelona is now in the top four. Xavi's done an incredible job. I really, really thought, and maybe it was to their best interests to have a bad year so that you can regroup next season. But Xavi has got this team going. They're going to finish in the top four. Real Madrid, Barcelona play each other this weekend. Real Madrid's going to likely win the Spanish League. But there's so much to be excited about. And with Real Madrid moving on away from the likes of of Cristiano Ronaldo, and we'll see what happens now, but these younger players are taking a bigger, bigger role. Uh, Look, the move from Barcelona and Lionel Messi, that divorce, for lack of a better word, uh, has worked out. I mean, there's some talks about maybe Messi going back to Barcelona. Why would Barcelona want to do that? Why? That's insanity. There's no way Lionel Messi goes back to Barcelona. He's got to go, now's the time, go play at Liga MX. Go play in Major League Soccer. Go play at Newell's Old Boys, but you'll be taking a major pay cut if you do. Going back to Barcelona is not an option. It isn't. Barcelona needed to part ways so that they can let this development happen, and it's happening. And I've talked about on this program, you got to sever those ties. So, unfortunately, you know, Messi's becoming a little bit of a tragic figure. That's too strong of a word. With PSG and being jeers, I can't see a future for him at PSG. Especially with Mbappe, in all likelihood, leaving to Real Madrid. He has to after the disaster in the round of 16. But there's Messi. He, I think he has two more years in that contract. Obviously, he is a PR and marketing whirlwind. So there's a lot of benefits to have him. And he's still a good player. But <laughs> you, he he could still be an effective player. Kind of like how he plays with Argentina. You know, uh, Lionel Scaloni has built a team that accentuates Messi's good parts and it's a hardworking team PSG is not the same thing Barcelona is not the same thing right now you could do that in MLS you could have Lionel Messi play on an MLS team and you have workers and runners around him because look I was watching that PSG I, I, he was just not a factor he didn't run he didn't do anything and now we're here looking for his next chapter perhaps you know we've always heard this New York City FC connection to the City Group. It makes a lot of sense now because maybe he can play a couple years at New York City FC, then Melbourne City, who knows? But City group have obviously have very, very deep pockets. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But getting back to the quarterfinals, uh, really underwhelmed with the matchups. Chelsea Real's the best one. City Atletico, <laughs> you know, Atletico's, there was a stat in the last 30 minutes of the Atletico Madrid-Manchester United game. There was only 11 minutes of actual action. So 19 minutes of stalling, injuries, substitutions. It's outrageous, but that's how Atletico does. And I love Diego Simeone, so I'm not going to... They could win. They could beat Manchester City. That would make that very interesting. Villarreal, Bayern. Obviously, we see Bayern Munich getting through with relative ease. Benfica, Liverpool, same thing. I think we're going to have a Liverpool-Chelsea final. Liverpool-Bayern semifinal is going to be fantastic. Manchester City-Chelsea, if it's that semifinal, we saw how Chelsea has a, you know, just a magistrate, what's that's, a, that's not the right word, a, a mystique over Manchester City. So I think Pep Guardiola is terrified to face Thomas Tuchel in that matchup because they ran them off the park in that final last year. So there we have it. Champions League will get better in the semis. The quarterfinals, I'm, I'm not that excited, but we still watch. We still watch. And I'm glad to see the Spanish team step up. We might have a Real Atletico semi. Quarterfinals of the Europa League, you have on one side Leipzig and Atalanta. I love the final eight for the Europa League. Braga, Rangers. Rangers, I mean, it's great. What a great development, especially for the Scottish League and that club. Somehow have navigated their way to the quarterfinals. Frankfurt, Eintracht Frankfurt will take on Barcelona. West Ham will face Lyon. I think in the Europa League, I am going to go with a final of Leipzig and Barcelona. That'd be good, right? That's good. I think those are the two better playing teams. So we have that. Also, on Friday, if you missed it, one of the craziest games of the year anywhere, Wolves still competing for a Champions League spot in England at home to Leeds United and Jesse Marsh. It was two zip for Wolves. Dos a 63rd minute. Red card for Raul Jimenez. By the way, I love Peter Drury. Best announcer in the business. One of the two or three best. He keeps calling Raul Jimenez Jimenez like he's Castilian. And that's not his fault. That's somebody giving this information. They've got to correct that. Raul Jimenez is from Mexico. So, anyway, I just... That's a bit of a tangent. But it's weird. Um... Leeds United, so the red card for El Jimenez, and Leeds United scored three goals. And now Jesse Marsh has had six points and in all likelihood has saved Leeds United. And that was job number one. Job number two for him is playing well enough and convincing the players and the Leeds brass that he should come back next season, have a summer, and take over on a permanent basis. So he's pretty close to doing that as well. So an excellent development. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Jesse Marsh is now on his way to really breaking through some barriers in England because we remember the Ted Lasso comparisons and he shot back at the media. He uh, was criticized for having a huddle over and over again. And I was like rolling my eyes. I go, is this for real? Those aren't going to come up anymore because he's proven he belongs. He had an interview with... Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville and the Sky Sports crew and he was there for seven minutes waxing poetically about what he wants to do and you could see they had he had their attention one of the quotes that I really loved he said from day one the players accepted me none of them made fun of my accent unlike some of you (laughs) you could see that there's this spirit the players love him the fans respect him Leeds fans I've grown to really admire. They know their sport, and they are appreciative, and they love their heroes, and they know if you defend that crest, you're good in their books. So it was fantastic to see that. And uh, I'm just so thrilled because, as I've said in the past here, if he fails here, and it looks less and less likely of that being the case... It closes a lot of doors. And there's not really another American manager out there that could follow in his footsteps. No one's kind of gone through this checks and balances, going to Germany, getting all these licenses, coaching at Red Bull Salzburg, coaching at Leipzig, and now at Leeds United. There's no one even in that. You know, Pellegrino Matarazzo, I keep separate because he had a little different path. Jesse Marsh is American to the core in the sense that he played in Major League Soccer. He coached in Major League Soccer, and now he's moved on to this. So his success will open doors. And it will also, if he gets back there next season, we've already heard possibility of Brendan Aronson or Georgie Mihalovich going to Leeds. He's going to look at American players because uh, he has a benefit there. He has an edge knowing that there's some talent in the United States and he has contacts in the U.S. So he's going to use them. If he comes back next season, I guarantee you there will be an American player on Leeds, if not two. So this is good, good everywhere. And that helps the development of the sport because that all comes back into the pot for everything that Americans are trying to do. And I know I, I want this to be a global podcast, but this is important because this sport growing here is, is just titanic, right? And it's good for me because it'll keep me gainfully employed. Soccer OG Podcast. Make sure you check out the Soccer OG on YouTube. I have my breakdown of the U.S. men's national team roster. It is there for your viewing and listening pleasure. Under my name, Max Bretos. Check it out. Subscribe. We appreciate the support. When we return, we will have that interview with Kellen Acosta in the business end. Coming up in stoppage time, I will break down the roster for the United States. I had a chance to speak with Greg Burhalter today on SiriusXMFC with Brian Dunsteth. So I had some time with Greg Berhalter to break it down a little further. That will be coming up. We have a great show. Get ready. Buckle in. World Cup qualifiers. April 1st, the World Cup draw. It's all happening. Let's just make sure we don't miss the party. We're back here joined by Kellen Acosta. Here at the training facilities of lafc this was a, a uh, what was your thoughts when you made this move and what is your perception of the club and now that you've been here for a few
1: weeks yeah now, i mean i'm coming to the one of the best teams in, in the mls uh, an organization that does whatever they can to ensure the success of the players and it's i mean it showed i mean came into the facility i was just in awe of just everything um no, the staff is obviously great the players are great the the fans are top-notch i mean I mean, it kind of checks all the boxes. I mean, this has been a a great environment, and I've been, you know, very excited and happy to be here. In a World Cup year and changing clubs,
0: uh, how much thought do you put into that about, okay, I'm on a national team. Yeah. World Cup is later this year. I've got to be at the right place to
1: help me. Obviously, work for your club, but to help me. For sure. For sure. I mean, mean, it's always difficult coming into a new team because you got to hit the ground running, especially, like you said, it's a... It's an important year for for myself, uh, being in a World Cup year. So for me, I mean, it's it's important to be in the right environment, the right team to you know to help me grow and help me be at the level to obviously help the team qualify for World Cup and then have the chance to actually compete in the World Cup. So yeah, I mean, it's it's very key for me to be in an environment where I can succeed and you know achieve those goals.
0: You're one of a handful of players. And I'm talking about two or three who were on the field in Cuba in 2017. And obviously, and that obviously prevented you from fulfilling everyone's dream of playing in a World Cup. You have that again, but just going back to that, what was, what do you take away from that experience that helped you in this next World Cup
1: cycle? That I never want to feel like that ever again. (laughs) I mean, just doing whatever, you know, we can as a group to never put ourselves in a position to, 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 to feel that. I mean, um. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's definitely sour taste in our mouths, but I think that's, you know, that's, what, five years ago yeah. now?
0: But how often do you think about it? I mean, is it stuff that, even through the process, is it something you've compartmentalized?
1: Yeah, I just kind of just pushed it behind me. Yeah. I mean, a new cycle, new group, um, new obstacles, new challenges, and, you know, every game, you know, brings different challenges for us to, to conquer and overcome for us. Um, so I've kind of just kind of put that, you know, on the back end and focus on what's ahead And in the first game in Mexico. uh and uh, that's a you know huge opportunity for us to, to go where we want to go and achieve what we want to achieve. So, you know, take it game by game. And from then on, you know, you, you see where you're at at the end of the day. This is a
0: unique U.S. team. It's very young and that's made a lot. You are you're a young player, but in comparison to this team, you are. An elder statesman. Yeah. How do you how do you approach that role, or is it how much time you could consider knowing that these guys wet behind the ears, maybe experiences for the first time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's it's kind of difficult to say. I mean, I could say like uh, you know, I try to use my experiences to help better the team because maybe they haven't played. Um, you know, at the international level, at that capacity with World Cup qualifiers. But I mean, within our group, I mean, we have a lot of experienced guys that played high level and high quality football in, in Europe and you know, elsewhere. So I think guys know what's at stake. I think some I think once we play that first game in El Salvador, people really, truly realize, um, you know, what concoct is all about and know what can kind of go on. You know, right. from, you know, the field conditions to the travel to, to the fans to, you know, fireworks during games to <laughs> the famous you know, Gio Raina or, Cliff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, throwing us. Up, I think everyone's kind of got a taste. And now we know what to expect. I think that was kind of our, our, our real wake up call. Um, yeah, because, I mean, I think guys, you know, got a little taste in the summer, but, you know, we're playing on, on home soil. Yeah. So playing away is a, kind of a little bit different. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a different challenge for sure. And so, I mean, like I said before, I mean, guys definitely have experienced it through these last so months and then just playing, you know, week in, week out with their clubs and they've used those experiences, those challenges to help better themselves. And when they come here, you know, I want to say it's a breeze, but, you know, it's a little bit easier than than one might expect. You have
0: to experience that. There's nothing you can say to anyone going, we're going to El Salvador, we're going to Costa Rica, we're going to the Azteca. Right. There's there's you go. And you probably saw that after that. You said it after El Salvador game, just to say, okay, now, now you know.
1: Right, right, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you you can talk about it all you want, but you won't know until you actually know. And having that experience, I think it's very valuable for all of us. And I mean, thankfully, we we got it early, really. Um, you know, we you know had some challenging games without Salvador you game know, tying Panama away. Um, that was challenging, so we we know. I mean, these these upcoming games, these two away games, especially. Are, are critical and huge, but I think having that taste and and obviously um, having that huge result away in Honduras and what we had to endure to, to get that victory, I think, you know, it makes it so much sweeter when you had to chug along and grind and grind and finally get it so we have an appreciation and know what it takes to, to um, you know, have that success. So I think that's key for all of us. What's
0: it like playing for Greg and this whole process? Because you've been, I mean, this has been 15 months of... Nations League, Gold Cup, everything. And you've been a big part of it. What's it like uh, under his tutelage, under his vision?
1: And been, no, it's been great. It's been great. I mean, at first, I mean, I, I found it difficult yeah, getting into the team. And that's why I had, like, you know, the couple-year absence. But now just, you know, nailing down system, um, you know, uh, you know, executing what he he wants of me and um, you know putting you know practice what you play I mean he shows me a lot of video gives me a lot of tips but now it's about you know um, you know obtaining that information absorbing it and then applying it on the field and so for me it's you know kind of just take everything in like a sponge and then going out there and and doing it. Um you know with the different rules I've had different teams you know I had to kind of adjust because I was I played a lot freer like in terms of I kind of just ran around. But uh, I think with, with Greg system, it's important that, you know, each player has their own rules and that, you know, helps the success of the team. So when you start doing your own thing, it kind of ruins kind of everyone around you. So it's kind of you have to give a little to help the greater good of, of the team. And, you know, I finally, you know, realized that I'm a little stubborn at first, but I, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, just absorbing that and going out there. But no, it's been great, it's a great, great guy off the field, and on the field. I mean, he knows what he wants and what he can ask for his players. And, and it's important for us to just go out there and, and do it and obviously bring our individual qualities into the team. And, and that's how we'll all succeed. We've shown in the passion and the results that we've gotten.
0: These, some of the players you're playing with are playing these great, these European clubs and they're getting a lot of pub. But What's it like to, to play alongside Weston McKinney or Christian Pulisic? What do you yeah. see in this group collectively or individually that has impressed you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you got guys like that that can, you know, change the game on their own. Really, you know, special players, guys that play at a high level, you know, Chelsea's a a world champion, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy saying that Christian can say I'm a world champion. Um, But, um, but, I mean, they're there as guys. On the field, they mean business, but off the field, I mean, they're guys that you can talk to, hang out with. I mean, those are the guys that I hang out with the most, really, um, in the group. But on the field, I mean, they're quality shows. Um, You know, they're you know their soccer brains are a little bit different than, than others and i mean christian especially you know, west has playing top of game unfortunately with his injury i mean it's, it's part of the game so I'm, I'm hoping that he continues to to recover well and hopefully be back soon but i mean those guys are, are quality players and you know so happy and proud of them with all the success that they've uh, achieved so far and hopefully even beyond i mean it's yeah. still a huge year and um, you know, a lot of a lot of games and stuff in between. So, hoping to achieve uh, much, much more. That's interesting. You say how
0: how they um, absorb soccer, football information, Right. and you notice that, and you can hear that in the conversations you have. How he breaks down right. why you do this, why you do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of those things. I mean, they're you know they're at top level clubs for a reason. You know, it's obviously quality of the game, but able to you know absorb information that they're getting and then executing it. I mean, soccer is all about the little details, which is, you know, obviously first touch, decision-making to body position to, you know, positional awareness. I mean, all those little things. And, you know, and then obviously individual, you know, foot skills, uh, which a lot of those guys have. Um, And, you know, putting all those together is what separates them from from others. I mean, that's top players around the world. Three games coming up to
0: qualify for the World Cup. First game's at Azteca. Uh, How do you approach... This next window, and obviously, an opportunity to possibly qualify for the World
1: Cup if you got the right result against yeah, Mexico. I mean, three finals, and you got to treat them each as so you can't really look on to the second or third game for the first. The first is the, it's the biggest game, it's the, the one ahead of you. Uh, and uh, you know, we played, played in that second back in, I guess it's 2017. We ended up tying there 1 1. I got a taste of that and what it was like, and you know, feeling the altitude and hearing the fans playing against a, a high-intensity Mexican side. And, no, I mean, it was, it was a tough game. I mean, I can't lie. I mean, it, it required 90-plus minutes of just hard work and enduring weathering the storm and and running and being aggressive intensity. Um, so, I mean, it's going to take that, that much grit and that much tenacity, that much, you know, aggression, um, com- competitiveness, all that's going to, you know, help us, um, you know, get over that humping and, and hopefully get the result that we want. And like I said, I mean, it's three finals. Yep. Mexico first, Panama second, Costa Rica third. I mean, that's just that's just what it is. I mean, you can't look too, too far into the future just yet because you got to <laughs> attack what's ahead of you.
0: And I know you can't look to the future, and you, I know you still have the job to do, but for someone, it's been, this game has been part of your life and everyone wants to play the World Cup. Have you had, what are those moments like when you think about possibility?
1: Yeah, that's my dream. I mean, I've had dreams about it, stepping on the field and just kind of just looking around and, and just seeing all the fans cheering, <laughs> cheering or booing, whatever the case may be. Hopefully more cheers and cheers, right? But um, uh, no, nah, I mean, that's something that I've always dreamed of as a kid, just to represent the crest at the highest level in a World Cup. I think it was the most watched um, sporting event in the world And what better way is to go out there and represent your country and be on the field and have those millions of people um, watching you? I I don't think anything better.
0: That's awesome, man. And I I will think of you when I turn on the TV and I see you there, hand on heart. Uh, It's a wonderful image. Obviously, some work to be done. Best of luck. Hey, Kellen, I appreciate you taking some time with me. Thank you. All right. Back here on the soccer OG, I want to thank everyone at LAFC for allowing to facilitate that interview. Kellen is a, a real special guy, and I, I think he's going to be offering so much to this sport. Talk to him after, and I apologize a little bit, we were outside, so it's a little bit hollow with the audio, but I think you could understand it. He is a tremendous guy, and he's going to be a great resource for this sport, and he's going to do great things afterwards, whether he's a broadcaster or a coach. He's going to continue giving back. He, uh, with LAFC, has gone above and beyond to immerse himself in the club. Obviously, I'm the broadcaster there, and I've seen it firsthand. Just a lovely guy, lovely spirit, very grounded, and I hope he has his moment. And I feel for those guys who were there in Cuba, and many of them didn't get a chance to fix it. I'll, I'll never forget Omar Gonzalez, and just the look of shock afterwards of that game, and Benny Failhaber, and Michael Bradley, and Josie Althar, all these guys, you know, That that's something they carry with the rest of their life. They'll never forget it. And of all those players, you know, Christian Pulisic was on the field that day. He gets a chance to fix it. He'll never be able to correct the fact that he missed the World Cup. You know, that throws everything out of whack. But at least he'll get to make one here. And Kellen Acosta hasn't made one. He'll get to make one here. So I'm pulling for our guys so much. We had the announcement recently of the roster, 27-man roster, nine defenders, six midfielders, nine forwards. It'll get condensed down to, I think, a 23-group And I think of the 23 players, maybe 16 or 17, maybe 18 will actually play. As we saw in the last window, Greg Berhalter kept it pretty close to the vest. There was a few movements there, but nothing too drastic. And I think as long as there's no entanglements with suspensions, it will be similar in these next three games, which will begin Thursday against Mexico at the Azteca. Then it will be Sunday, In Orlando against Panama, and then Wednesday, it'll wrap up in San Jose. And obviously, the key is, as an American fan base, we don't wake up next Wednesday or two Wednesdays away wondering if we were going to make it into this World Cup. We want to take care of business in those first two games. And the U.S. can. They could uh, could get help with some other results. If they get a point in Mexico, and they're going to beat Panama, they're going to beat Panama in Orlando, uh, that's going to be the four points. That'll do the job. Three points probably do it, but I don't want to get into the points, but you just need to get through there. And when that third game rolls around, even if you're not mathematically qualified, just that you have this feeling wash over you that we can start preparing for the World Cup. And then two days later, it's the World Cup draw. Some big stories there. Jordan Peefock, his form was so good, he couldn't be left off. He is the top scorer in the Swiss League, 17 goals. He's got 10 goals in his last nine games. His goal-scoring record is up there with the best in Europe. Granted, he doesn't play in La Liga or Premier League or Bundesliga. But when you think of the numbers that Lewandowski and Benzema and Harry Kane are putting up, it's comparable. So I, not only his inclusion mean that he's going to make this roster, it means he's probably going to start, I think, at the Azteca. It's him or Ferreira or Pepe, but I think in that's the order. PFOC probably gets it. Pepe's low in confidence. He has a game this weekend. Hopefully he does well and gets back on track. But the move to Augsburg has been just really rough thus far. There are a few guys that uh, are injured that uh, could not be called up. At the top of the list, Weston McKinney, Matt Turner. There is Chris Richards. Many of these, A couple of these guys got injured on U.S. men's national team duty. There is, who am I forgetting? Richards. (laughs) I'm going through this. Um, I'll get back to it. I can't remember right now. Uh, But anyway, there's also some guys that are carrying yellows on Caution Watch. Tyler Adams is the big one. Zach Steffen, Tim Weah, and DeAndre Yedlin. The fourth player that's injured is Sergino Dest, obviously. That's the most recent one. He's going to be replaced by George Bello. It's these are four big injuries. I mean, all four of these guys could be starters, really are, and they've all started multiple games during World Cup qualifying. Weston McKinney is their best midfielder. Sergio Dest is their best fullback. Matt Turner, you could argue, is their best goalkeeper. And Chris Richards is this really bright young defender that could become the best defender for the U.S. Men's National Team. He's on that. He's on that trajectory. He's getting comparisons to the David Alaba's Alabas and. He has got all of that going for him. So those four injuries are out. But this is what the U.S. have been doing. They've been preparing a big roster so that they're ready for anything. Uh, I looked at the Mexico roster. They don't have this injury. Everyone seems pretty healthy. All the heavy hitters, Chucky, Tecatito, Raul Jimenez, Efraim Alvarez, Hector Herrera, Nestor Araujo, all of them are in position Diego Lainez to play. So they're pretty loaded. But they haven't been playing well, and as I was talking to Sebastian Salazar, which will be in my next podcast, he's you know saying that Azteca is not the fortress it once was. So uh, there's an opportunity here, certainly for the United States. Some surprises certainly. Eric Palmer Brown, who's completely untested, makes the squad, meaning he moved ahead of Mark McKenzie. I'm okay with that. The uh, Bucio made it, which was a bit of a surprise because he hasn't been playing that well. You have to ask who starts in goal. Zach Steffen coming back healthy in the nick of time means he probably gets it. I think Kellen Acosta, our guest here, is in that midfield probably with Tyler Adams and Yunus Musa, but Luca De La Torre certainly could come in there. And then I'm going to go with Pifok starting at the number nine. But there are options, and a lot of guys are going to play. And we did have a chance to talk to Greg Berhalter. And my first question to him was, how are you approaching this Mexico game? He says, we're going to go there to get a result which means you're going there to win, which means I think Tyler Adams plays here even though he's carrying that yellow. Uh, he he was very open about addressing the players. John Brooks who was a very odd circumstance that he says he's you know he's fighting for his American identity and uh, there was a lot of things being told of us told to us about John Brooks not being included. Uh, Aaron Long made it in so it's, it's an odd situation, but there's other issues with John Brooks that tell you that all is not well in his world. Uh, certainly with Wolfsburg uh, and some articles in Build saying that he hasn't been, you know, the best teammate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that doesn't really apply here. Uh, he doesn't seem to fit the profile of the player that Greg Berhalter wants. This is a dog-eat-dog business, by the way. You know, a lot of guys' hearts get broken. There's a limited amount of space for players. You know, there's guys that never get to play in a World Cup or a World Cup qualifier. That's the reality of it. I know our U.S. Twitter, everyone has fun with the selections. But we were, even now, it started to quell away. Because we got to focus on the meat and potatoes. Qualifying for the World Cup. Not to worry too much about if Joe Scally gets in there. I don't know why people are losing their marbles for Joe Scally. He's a good defender. He is 19. He is playing at Marus- Borussia Gladback on and off a lot over the last two months. But when you watch him play, he's never in a high-risk situation. He is not asked to defend in tight spots. He's almost like a wing back. I want to see him develop, but now's not the time. And if it was the time, great. If he made it ahead of George Bello, I'm not going to go, why is he in there? I'm glad. I'm glad he's there. But I'm not going to sit here and argue with you uh, about who's the last fullback to make it. Because I don't think George Bellows is going to play. And if Joe Scally was on there, I don't think he was going to play. But Joe Scally has a bright future. He's in a great spot. He is a guy for the next World Cup cycle in 2026. Who knows what it looks like? It looks like the competition is going to be through the roof. It continues to grow. There's so many guys. Cameron Carter, Vickers, Josh Sargent didn't make it, which was surprising. Uh, Greg, I asked him about Sargent. He said, look, we have him in our best interests. He hasn't really played number nine, but he's certainly going to be a factor. It's a tough job putting this together. But most of the guys that we were asking to get a chance in there, they all had a chance. We were screaming for Busio. He made it in. We were screaming for Chris Richards. He finally made it in and he started Luca Della Torre. We screamed for him and then he's in. So I just I just don't want to worry about the periphery. I want to wor- worry, focus on the 15, 16 guys that will or will not get us into a World Cup. I just think it's a tough job. I give Greg Berhalter high marks in the way he has vetted players, immersed them into this. I asked him about that, and he acknowledged that it's a it's a long process where you you have to have these conversations. You have to watch games. You have to develop relationships. And I I get the feeling he has. And, you know, not everyone's happy. Not everyone's going to be happy. John Brooks isn't happy. Other players have had some concerns. Eric Williamson said some things, maybe a little bit out of context, about how hard it is to play the system. Get over it. That's the way it is. It is a complicated system. But we're getting there. If he qualifies, it's all that matters. That's how he's going to be judged. If he stubs his toe and for some reason they finish fourth or fifth, then the knives come out. I feel pretty good under the circumstances, even though we're missing those four players. And the Serginho Dest was just salt in the wound. And by the way, he did that in a Europa League game against Galatasaray, and he went full out on this tackle, def- taking away a, a clear goal-scoring opportunity. So Serginho Dest, who's been playing great, hopefully it's not too serious, and he'll be available to... Get ready for this team and the World Cup. The Soccer OG podcast, I appreciate your support. Another big podcast coming out in a few days. I had a lengthy conversation with Sebastian Salazar. You will want to hear that. His show, Football Americas with Hercules Gomez, is going to be down in Mexico City for the qualifier. So we will look at it from both sides. The Soccer OG going from strength to strength. It's a Friday as I'm recording this, but as I always like to sign off, Placido Domingo.